0: How to dehydrate a placenta without stinking up your apartment. Let's talk old English, or actually middle-age English. And Crohn's are back, baby. All this and more on a brand new How Did This Get Made mini-episode. Hit the theme.
1: Pause on the mic. Give you some advice. They tell you all.
2: Likes on many episode of this oh,
0: take it away. What's up, people of Earth? Welcome my New Year's babies and happy twenty twenty-two. It's the first how did this get made? A mini episode of 2022. And I am going to bring my A game. That's right. Or my name isn't tall. John Shear. People, we have a lot to talk about. First of all, I'm going to tell you the movie that we're going to be watching next week. Where to find it? What's it about? Is it worth your time? Plus, we are going to talk about not one, not two, but three films. That's right. We're going to hear your comments from Snowman's The Lost Episode, and Of course, babes in Toyland. But before we get into that, let's talk about the most pressing thing on the docket. Yes, I'm anti-sled as a gift. Do I think sleds are cool? Absolutely. If someone gave me a sled, would I be happy? You betcha. But I don't believe they are a good Christmas gift. Now, Paul, what about bikes? Do you like bikes? Great Christmas gift. Don't ask me why. There's a distinction, but I think most normal people would say, oh yeah, a bike you can use all year round. This fucking sled? I gotta wait on a special winter scenario. I gotta make sure there's enough. I've lived in East Coast wintry places, and let me tell you, sledding. It's not happening that much, okay? That's like giving me uh, a pool floaty and I don't have a pool because maybe I'll get to go over to someone's house who has a pool and then I can bring my floaty. Here's what I'm saying, people. A sled should be in your garage. If you live in a wintry place, a sled should be in your garage. I grew up poor. I had like two sleds. It wasn't a big deal. It was what we had. It's a piece of fucking wood. And if you go, oh, well, uh, Susan Kane has sled, it's in the episode. I talk about that. Yeah, that's 1820 fucking three. Okay, I don't care about Citizen Kane. And also, he's not a real person. I've asked many a person this question over the break. And I said, is a sled a good gift? And I'm going to tell you, uniformly, the answer was no. A guest on this very show, not this mini episode, but in the real The Real Episodes said I gave someone a sled as a Christmas gift, and I instantly regretted it, so much so that I called and apologized and sent them a new gift. That's not a bit. That is 100% real, and it articulates exactly what I wanted To say. And let me tell you something. Someone else who is anti sled, I'm just going to label him that, is Marty Finkel. Marty, thank you for that amazing theme. And if you want to be like Marty, you can send in your theme to How Did This Get Made at earwolf.com, 30 seconds or less. Keep it brief, keep it great. I know you can do it. We love hearing amazing themes like Marty's. And now that I got my sled shit out of the way, let me hear from you because I know you got problems. Life, your love, your parenting, whatever it is, I'm here to help you. I'm like Oprah without the magazine. I'm like Dr. Phil without the mustache. You ask me questions. I give you answers. It's now time for the brand new Paul Helpline. Well, it's not brand new, but I'm going to say it's brand new. Brand new for 2022? All right. Dave Tanner, hit the theme. (laughs) (laughs) Help me feel lonely, Uh I don't know what to do, but Pauly, you huh? got the helpline. Uh-huh. You're going to take oh, time oh. and leave you feeling fine. It's the helpline. Oh, yeah. All right, people, let's go to Alex in New York.
3: Hey, Paul, this is Alexa from New York. Um, lately, I've been feeling, you know, tired. I haven't been sleeping as well, and I'm having trouble concentrating. And I realized it's likely because I'm dehydrated. And I'd like to think of myself as somebody who drinks a good enough amount of water. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't prefer coffee or tea um, or some other beverage. But, you know, you seem like a pretty well-hydrated guy. I'm concerned about my health. Uh, I bet a lot of people might have this problem. So I was wondering if you have any tips on how to stay hydrated day to day. Thanks.
0: Great question, Alex. Now, let me... um do something here right at the top and say Alex I'm sorry for calling you Alex because your name is Alexa and I'm leaving that mistake in because in 2022 I'm embracing my mistakes uh so Alexa great question I love this question more questions like this um all right so you think you are drinking enough but you also think you're dehydrated so I guess You're drinking a lot of things that are not water. And I get that. I do that myself. And I think, well, why am I dehydrated? Well, you need to drink the actual water. And I think the thing that really helped me was finding the right water bottle, and I know it sounds stupid, and I know that probably all of our cabinets are full of water bottles from every event that we have gone to. We have just decided that that is now the gift that we give each other is a water bottle emblazoned with a logo or some sort of event that we went to, and sometimes we don't even like the event, but we keep the water bottle. Here's the thing. You could have a million water bottles in there, but if you don't like that water bottle, you're not going to drink from that water bottle. First, you got to decide, am I a wide mouth water bottle person or am I a straw based water bottle person? All right. Do I want to be able to uh, screw off a cap or do I want to just be able to glug, glug, glug whenever I can? Now, here's the thing that I realized right away. I bring my water bottle into the car, my water bottle doesn't fit into the car. So I got a water bottle that fit into my cup holder. Made a big difference. That's what I'm talking about. You got to find the right water bottle for yourself. I think keep one at work, keep one at home, keep it full. I love the one that says the time of day on it. You can find them on Amazon. Now there's those weird ones that look like I'm, you know, like an athlete carrying around like a mini like oil drum in my hand. You don't need that. You don't need something gross and weird and everyone's going to look at you like, oh, hey, drinking enough water. They think, yes, I have some sort of kidney disease or you're trying to pass a stone. No, just get a nice, elegant bottle. There's a great one, a glass one that I have that has a time of day on it. You fill it up twice. And supposedly that is the right amount of water you're supposed to drink. It gives me a goal. I feel good about myself. If I miss it or I get ahead of it, I feel on top of it. But it also actually shows me that I've drank water and that I need to continue to drink water. It's not like, oh, yeah, I think I had a glass. I think this is the quandary that you had. I think I drink enough. No, this thing will show you that you got to drink it. Uh, Also, supplement. I don't know if this is true, but, you know, carbonated water, it may may not be as great as water, but it's going to do the trick. It's essentially water with bubbles in it. And I imagine the air is going to do something good for you. I don't know. Someone once told me they lost 50 pounds because they stopped drinking carbonated water. That seems like complete and utter bullshit to me. But uh, I, I listened to them and I said, wow, interesting. Okay, well, I'll take that under advisement. So find your perfect water bottle. It's like finding a mate. Throw away the ones that you don't need. I know it's like, well, it's waste. It's landfill. I'm sorry, but if I, I do it. I go through. I purge those water bottles. How many do I fucking need? I don't need many. And you know what? Maybe I fall in love with a water bottle for a little bit. And then when I'm done with it, I get rid of it. Get another one. Treat yourself. Make it fun for you. Uh, So that's what I would say. Oh, and I also, this is a real (laughs) nerd tip. I also pre-refrigerate my water. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put ice in it. You can do whatever you want to do. But throw that shit in the fridge at night. So in the morning when I wake up, the first thing I have is a nice, delicious cold water. I have a friend, Matt McConkie, awesome guy, tells me he should, you should drink two glasses of water before anything in the morning. I don't know if I always do that, but it's a great thing to keep in your mind. Before you drink anything, two glasses of ice-cold water. Alexa, that was a very long answer to a very simple question, but I loved that question. And that's what, you know, we got to talk about in 2022 we got to stay hydrated uh all right josh in portland let's oh boy let's all right i'll let you take it away take it away josh
4: hi paul this is josh in portland been listening to the show and watching along for about eight years uh, my partner and i have been together two and a half years she's a med student who is uh also doing midwifery and she saw a place in the market to make some money um there's a thing called like placentophagy or something it's where mammals eat their own placenta for nutrition, and um, a human birther might not always want to straight up eat their placenta. So she wants to do this service where she dehydrates the placenta, grinds it up, uh, once it's dry, into the powder either capsulizes it or puts it in as a tincture, and then the birther can, you know, ingest that. Uh, it sounded good to me, you know, making money on the side kind of thing. You know, it sounds like how I'd imagine the make fairy dust. Um, but we were at Goodwill the other day, and she saw a dehydrator and was like, oh, I can, you know, I'll, I, I'm going to need one of these. And then it just hit me that there's going to be this, like, placenta in the kitchen. Like, I didn't know it was going to start. And so, like, yeah, just the idea of this, like, placenta in the kitchen, cut up, dehydrating into, like, basically like this aerosolic moisturizing candle that's placenta-fragrant and possibly taste, you know, just just covering, you know, this like thin layer all over our house, probably our faces. It got me. It got real. And I never want to get in the way of her growth, but um, how do I handle this? I think I'd be more inclined to make it work if it was just the powder part portion that was in the house and she was doing that processing feature. But I don't know, Paul. What do I do? What's the answer here?
0: All right, dude. First
5: of all, what what kind of
0: dehydrating machine – Are you talking about here that's getting over like in your face and on top of your like from what I understand of like a dehydrating machine? Like, I I don't think it's like uh, creating a a fog like uh, Stephen King story atmosphere in your in your uh, in your domicile. But here's the thing. I'm very familiar with this. Uh, We got this done. We did. We had placenta pills in our house. I think we still have some pills in our fridge uh, right now, as a matter of fact, um, I think it's awesome that your wife is doing this. It seems like a low maintenance thing. You know, I, I agree with you that you probably don't want to be like surrounded by placenta, but there's something beautiful about it. There's nothing gross about it. There's not like, you're not surrounded by a fetus, you know, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's something that is natural and, But I understand your fear, right? You don't want to see it. You don't want to be around it. You don't want to be affected by it. You don't want to smell it. You seem to be putting a lot on what this dehydrator is doing, like I said before. So let's try, not try it out with like bacon, but let's see how it, do it once. Does it stink up the house? I mean, this is not like, again, it felt to me like you felt like you were putting like dead baby like juice on you it's it's not that but i get your i get your concern and i want to meet you at your concern and say that here's here's what i think you should do try it once and and don't make a big deal of it don't try to sniff it out don't just do you feel something when it's going on do you feel like the apartment or the house gets stinky if you do Why don't you just ask your wife to move that device to another spot? Maybe a well-ventilated spot. Maybe you could put it out on the the balcony. Do you have a balcony? Do you have a a window ledge? Do you have a garage? Something where it's close by, but not in your place. That way, you both win. And I think you're going to be surprised that this uh, dehydrating machine... now, am I suspect that you're looking in goodwill to find this thing for? I mean, I guess if it works, it works, it works. but uh, you know, look, others can speak to that I, i'm I would want something a little bit more state of the art top of the line. like if we're gonna do this as a business let's 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 fucking jump in and and spend that money. let's uh you know, I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on there. I want to make sure that you don't have like uh, some sort of like a 99 cent store version of a dehydration machine. Anyway, uh, let me know how it goes. Josh, call me back. I want to know how this journey goes. Uh, I didn't think about the this process when we got our pills delivered to us, uh, but I'd love to hear uh, what it's like at home. And if you have a question like Josh, great question, Josh. Great question, Alexa. Give me a call at 619-P-A-U-L-A-S-K at 619-PAUL-ASK. All right, people, it is, oh man, it's a big one, it's a triple, triple mini, that means triple corrections and omissions, which means we need three corrections and omissions themes, no, I'm just joking, we have one, and it's by our great, great friend, Tyler Mann, Tyler, bring us in to a trip, correct, and omish.
3: Correct. Omit. Correct. Omit. Correct. Omit. Correct. Omit. Guess what? It's corrections
2: in omissions.
0: All right. Let's go in order and start with Snowmance. In case you need a refresher on this movie, I got one for you. Each year, Sarah builds her snow bow. Uh, It's a snowman with her best friend, Nick. After another breakup, she begins to wonder if she'll ever find true love on her own. Uh, And a little Christmas magic brings her snow bow to life. So let's go to the Discord. We're going to jump right in. Uh, There was a big issue In the show, we were trying to figure out what the red scarf meant. Why did we spend so much time on the red scarf if it didn't seem to have any magical powers? And Levi G jumps in and just starts to break it down. I've been trying to piece snowman's together. Here's what we know. Dad gives Sarah her dead mom's scarf and it gets all handsy. Her and Nick build a snowman and then they place that scarf on it. That's right. The dead mom star twinkles and the snowman's coal eyes sparkle. The next morning, Cole slash Cole C O L E shows up and puts the scarf on Sarah and gets all handsy. Later, by the way, I don't remember the dad getting all handsy, and it's okay if the dad wants to hug his daughter in a loving way. Um, later, Nick mentions the snowman is gone, and Sarah goes on a date with Cole, wearing the scarf. Then goes to Nick's afterwards, still wearing the scarf. While there, the scarf can be seen draped over the stool, and she presumably forgets the scarf. Nick and Sarah get into a fight, and he goes home and sees a picture of the two of them together as kids but he probably should have noticed a scarf too. Come on, movie Nick returns the scarf toward the end and gets all handsy. Wow, we're really obsessed about these hands. So here's what I think. The scarf is not imbued with magic. Cole is not some kind of frosty-inspired abomination since he didn't have to wear the scarf to stay alive. Frosty rules are out. Cole just turned up conveniently and is really into snow stuff. If he was just leaving on his own, I would think it was magical, but him leaving also included her. Otherwise, he was just taking her to Paris to watch him melt or whatever on Christmas Day. So there it is. Christmas magic does not exist, and we're all soulless and dead inside. Uh, Okay, no, no. Levi, the man is magical. We know that. He's talking to snowmen. Okay, I don't know how, but he is. Cameron H. writes, What I found absolutely maddening is that Nick actually knows better than anyone what Sarah wants in a man and does absolutely nothing with that information. Yes, now we're talking, Cameron. Now, I'm not suggesting that he fundamentally should change himself or anything. Like, I once suggested, I once suggested that someone who liked a girl who played pool should learn how to play pool so he would have a common interest, and I got roasted on that fucking Discord. Well, you know what? Enough. I won't share my opinions anymore. No. Um, no, he says uh, he shouldn't have to. Sure, he really likes him, but she wants to travel and be adventurous. There's actually nothing stopping him from taking her on a trip or adventure. And who knows, a trip to Paris or wherever might ignite some sparks. Maybe they just need to see each other in a different context. Instead, this dude is like, every year she tells me exactly what she wants in a man, but I'm not going to try to provide any of that. I'm just going to hang back and do nothing because I know what she actually wants And that is fucking bullshit. Well, Cameron, you find yourself in a rock and a hard place here because you're not saying that he needs to change fundamentally, but you are saying that he should do something to appeal to this person that he likes, which is exactly what I was saying. You're saying travel, like that's not a big deal. Well, it's not his idea, so technically he would be doing it for her. Do I hold a grudge when you all came after me about that stupid fucking pool idea? Yeah, I do, because you're suggesting the same thing. If he liked her, he should try to appeal to her. Anyway, I'm leaving it there. It's not that easy. Easy to criticize, oh yeah, Paul said do this, but you are suggesting the same fucking thing, you're just putting a little spin on it to make it seem like you're not saying the same thing, but you're saying the same thing, anything he does that he doesn't want to do, he's doing it for her, is what I was saying to do, anyway, uh, you, you know what, you're right, like, he should try, but how do we even know, what do we even know, Nick seemed cool to me, like, Nick did seem like a good guy, she already dated him, she didn't like what he had doesn't mean he's, you it doesn't mean that you could fundamentally, uh, you know, see someone that you like and or, you know, like as a friend, but you're not romantically attracted. No matter what he could do, even if he changed context, it wouldn't work. Sometimes that's it. Life sucks. You know what? You, you, You can't find that girl that you wanted or that guy that you wanted or whoever you wanted. Anyway, Seeker asks, at the start of Snowman's, after Dean Papadopoulos knocks over Sarah's very first snowman, it takes her and both young Nick to lift the central snowball of the snowman onto its base. So how on earth did Sarah alone build that snowman in the first place? Well, uh, hmm, great question. I mean, let's put that up there with uh, the mystery of the pyramids, right? We'll never, ever know. Haunting Frosting, love that name. Discord, you're killing it. I love my Discord. Uh, okay, hear me out. I would argue that the ritual of building a snowman has become important to Nick, who now imbues the snowman with all of his bitter resentment and, reject- and rejection uh, that he gets from Sarah. This anger has culminated into uh, into a Tolpa in the form of Cole, whose purpose is to convince Sarah to settle for Nick, much like a Tolpa. I love that you just use Tulpa, like we all are like, yeah, yeah, yeah Topa. Much like a Topa, once his purpose is fulfilled, Cole would cease to exist. I would also hypothesize that this is how Sarah's father got Sarah's mother to fall in love with him. By passing along the scarf, he is continuing the tradition of the town's men using magical rituals to subdue and control their women. All right, first of all, I'm into that kind of Stepford wife logic. But um, I like what you're saying here. And this is what I was saying in the movie. I think the snowman was there to motivate Nick... Not to woo Sarah. I do think that. All right, anyway. Uh, It will be a movie that we debate again and again and again, but no longer on the episodes, because we're moving on to A Night Before Christmas. This is our lost episode. Uh, Quick recap, if you haven't remembered. By the way, June and I watched Princess Diaries 3, and if you haven't checked it out, you are missing out. Also, of Joan Hart's uh, Christmas is uh, on HBO Max, or a few of them are, and we watch those as well, and they were great. Uh, All right, so A Night Before Christmas, a medieval English knight is magically transported to present-day America by an old crone, we got the shirt, uh, where he falls for a high school science teacher played by Vanessa Hudgens, who is disillusioned by love, and if you guys know anything about Vanessa Hudgens and Netflix movies, she is in the VCU Uh, which is the Vanessa uh, Cinematic Universe, I should say the VHCU, uh, because this character also is uh, related or in the world of the princess, uh, not the Princess Diaries, what is it called? Princess Switch, that's what we saw the third one of. All right, Tina uh, from Michigan has something to say about crones.
3: Hi, Paul. This is Tina from Lansing, Michigan. I'm listening to your Night Before Christmas episode and hearing all of your wonder about the idea of the crone. And I just want to say that in the lesbian community, we have been celebrating crones uh, for just about as long as I can remember, probably 40 or 50 years now. In fact, I go to a conference every year where we have a croning ceremony, and it's a very proud moment um, in our lives when we can be called a crone. It represents our wisdom, our experiences, our mentorship of other women in the community, and uh, being a crone is something that we are very proud of. We've claimed that word. So just wanted to add that in and uh, share that perspective that being a crone is something that lesbians have been celebrating for a long time. I'm looking forward to my croning ceremony maybe in about 10 years. Bye-bye, Paul. Love
0: the show. Tina, I love this. I love that. What a surprise. What I mean, it's been a year I've been thinking about crones. Uh, I've seen people wearing the crones and training T-shirts. And now to know that the lesbian community has embraced the crone and that you are going to crone conventions Uh or conferences, or whatever. I love this, and I love that a crone uh, has such... I, I'm going to start using this. Well, maybe I shouldn't start using because I'm, I'm not co-opting anything. I'm just saying I love this idea of uh, taking back the crone. Thank you for enlightening me. Uh, what a great way to start off 2022. I can't wait to tell Jessica and June this. Um, now let's go to Abby in South Korea. Ooh, South Korea.
2: Hi, I was calling about the night before Christmas episode. Um, So, oh, also I'm in South Korea and Abby. Okay. And so Paul mentioned about the night when he comes in from the 1300s, like would he even be able to read the menu in the restaurant? And I just wanted to say that like, not only would he not be able to read the menu, but that would probably be the least of his worries. He would not be able to speak to most likely anyone in the world at that point because um, I'm an English teacher and so I have <laughs> studied about these different linguistic and literary periods um, in English history and he would have been coming from the 1300s from the period where they spoke Middle English and people often like mistakenly think that Shakespeare is Old English, and he's not. He's early modern English. and the 1300s, he would have been coming from around almost the same time when the Canterbury Tales were written. It's very difficult to even read Middle English. Even when it's written down, it takes many people like glossaries and kind of like some translation word just to read it. Speaking it is on a whole nother level because they did not pronounce words and letters um, the same way that we pronounce them today. And so there are people who try to like do approximations of what they believe Middle English sounded like. Obviously, we have no way to know for sure, since we have no recording. So he would not have been able to read um, if he even could have read in the time. He would not have been able to read Modern English, most likely. And certainly, I think he would not have been able to speak or like understand anything that people were saying to him Um, And since people don't speak Middle English today, probably not any person in the world. So he would have had a really hard time. Uh, Thanks so much. And also Merry Christmas.
0: All right. Bye. Thank you, Abby. Finally, I waited a year and I can say I knew I was right. I knew I was right. I do want to see and maybe I'm giving away a premise, but I don't know what this premise would even be. I would love to see a movie where someone time travels and is just like completely fucked up. Like, wait, I don't under what the fuck is, go- like, almost the whole movie is just like, ah, ah, like, just scream. <laughs> I want that. Let's make a trailer of that instead. All right. Uh, that was amazing. Um, okay. So there is uh, a little bit, uh, okay. This is interesting because this Middle English idea uh, was brought up in the Discord as well and uh, i'm going to try to take a swing at middle english right now with uh, a sample that Jammer lee uh, put up in the discord so uh, let's see if i can if i can handle it if i was the knight in this movie could i have done this well let me show you another thing and one i saw see would need fine to this <laughs> curses <laughs> book night, night. el suddenly Three livies have I plight out of his book, right? As he, I don't know, I'm doing a Transylvania accent. Rezi and Zeke, I with my fist so took him on the cheek that in our fear he fill back wars. A sar and s- up in his start as sooth a wood fion and s- with his fist. He smoot me on the heath, that in the floor I lay as I were sees ends, wands, he swangs how for that I lay. He was aghast and woolly, heavy fleas his way. I think I did pretty damn good. I understood a little bit there, but wow, that is tough. Hurts my head, but now let's hurt your head with some big babes in Toyland theories. That's right. It's a trip. Man, I love this. Triple corrections and omissions. Uh, all right. We all remember last week's episode, right? 1986, Babes in Toyland. Drew Barrymore is our special guest. Uh current Keanu Reeves go to a crazy place. There's a guy named Googie. His name isn't Googie in the movie, but his actor's name is Googie. We made a shirt. Uh, and Ali Bamba writes, the music for Babes in Toyland was written by uh, Leslie Briscuzzi, uh, uh, is that in Middle English as well? The same Leslie Berskuzzi, responsible for Dr. Doolittle, Widdly Wonka, and Victor Victoria. Wow, well, uh, you know, I do not think the music was bad. Did we say the music was bad? I just thought the singing was bad. Maybe the performances of it was bad. I don't know. Those are other, those are all great. Uh, May contain Wild Ride, writes, from IMDb of Googie Gress, Francis Gress Jr. was born in Brooklyn, New York. As an infant, his father called him a goo baby. This became Googie. Didn't I say that in the show? Maybe we cut that out. I did say that in the show. I did the same kind of research as you did. Uh, Corgi Herder writes, just wanted to add that using cookies as currency isn't as outlandish as I originally thought. To wit, the word salary is derived from the fact that the Roman legionnaires used to be paid in salt. Tea has been used as currency all across Asia up until World War II. Cocoa beans were used by the Aztecs where you could trade a bean for a single avocado or a hundred for a whole turkey. And you might, right now, Get a loan from an Italian bank, uh, Credito Emiliano, using Parmesan Reggiano cheese as collateral. Well, I know that that parm can be worth a lot of money. I'd love some expensive parm. All right. So cookies aren't the best currency because they don't keep forever like a bean or age like a fine cheese. But it's not the craziest part of the movie by far. Well, you know what? You're right. Actually, you're right. There, that is not the craziest. That is not. It was one of the craziest, but not the craziest. And we finish on our last caller, who apparently agrees with me. This is a red letter day on the show. Amy from Baltimore.
3: Hi, Paul. This is Amy from Baltimore, and I am calling about Baby in Toyland. I think I'm actually with you on your idea that she actually lost consciousness at home, and that everything from her leaving the house, was part of what was going on in her head. And my proof is the singing. I don't think the singing was meant to happen in the real world. I think the Cincinnati song is part of the imagination, the imaginary um, world that she created in her semi-couch coma. So I uh, just want you to know that you got my support, and I'm with you. And love uh, you guys, you're doing great. And... Happy holidays.
0: Happy New Year. Yes, Amy, you and I are right. It, it was an Alice in Wonderland. It definitely was. It definitely was. She flew out of that car so fast. I mean, but Dorothy was taken by a tornado, right? Hmm. 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 I don't know. All right, so many great corrections and omissions this week, but there can only be one winner. And, uh, you know, I gave Cameron H. some, some grief. But I think the winner here this week is our friend from Michigan, Tina, who taught me a little bit about the crones. The new crones, not the old crones, the new ones.
5: People of Earth. You win nothing?
0: Yes, that is a winner theme from Garrett Parker. You win nothing, but you give us all so much knowledge that we can all embrace our own uh, crones. And, uh, and see what it brings us in the new year. All right. We'll be right back after this. this, this uh, we have spent a lot of time hearing from you, but no one has asked me about me. What am I up to? It's time for Paul. That's me. Pick of the week. People, I have been having so much fun. I've been reading and watching and seeing all this kind of good stuff. Normally, I like to save and talk about this stuff with Jason, but I want to recommend something that we talked about on the show that was fantastic. The Big Picture, which is a Ringer podcast, uh, did a great eight-part series on Siskel and Ebert that was just fantastic. I devoured it so quickly. All eight are out. Uh, You have to kind of go back in the feed to find them all, but they are phenomenal. There's also another uh, great podcast uh, recommendation. I'm, I guess, a little bit late to this one. Uh, It came out in November, but uh, there's a podcast called Drink Champs. And uh, Ye, that's uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West, was on. And it's a two hour and a half interview uh, with, it's just phenomenal. It's really great. Uh, truthfully, like not like, oh, ha, ha it's so funny. It's a great insight to him to hear uh, Ye speak for two hours was really just two and a half hours. It, just amazing. Uh, uh, and there's a video version of it too, so you can watch it on uh, YouTube as well. I want to recommend those two things. And then, um, hmm, I'm going to tell you, I let this Boba Fett I like this Boba Fett, the first episode of Boba Fett, but I'm going to bring it back and say, if you did not check in on Hawkeye or you watched the first episode of Hawkeye and you weren't impressed, get through the first two and then get ready to have one of the best Marvel experiences, I think, happening on TV. I love my WandaVisions. I love my Lokis, but this was the show that I've been waiting for in the sense of, I just wanted a straight superhero a series that felt like a comic book that I loved, uh, a Marvel comic book. And man, episode three through six are so good. And episode one and two are fine. I actually like them. I, they're fine. But they get so much better. Uh, so I want to recommend uh, those. Not that that's a hidden one. I'm saving a couple for Jason. I don't want to like give you all my good ones right now because I want to talk about some of that stuff as well. All right, those are my picks of the week. And now we got all those other movies out of the way. We have cleaned the slate. We're starting fresh here in the new year. <sighs> we are leaving behind the winter wonderlands of the Midwest for a war torn WW2 era film that takes place in the skies. That's right. Next week, we are watching the 2020 film Shadow in the Clouds. Here's a short breakdown of the plot. In the throes of World War II, Captain Maude Garrett, that's Chloe Grace Moritz, joins the all-male crew of a B-17 bomber with a top-secret package. Strange happenings and holes in her backstory incite paranoia surrounding her true mission, but this crew has more to fear lurking in the shadows. Something sinister is tearing at the heart of the plane. Now, Rotten Tomatoes rates this film at 38%, but it has a 78% on the tomato meter. And our very own Amy Nicholson, well... From Unspooled and from Film Week said, "I enjoyed this film for what it is—a tiny little action genre film." She said, "Tiny, tiny is never a, a nice compliment, I don't think." But that—that—that's kind of a high praise from Amy, which means it's probably very weird and fun. Let's take a listen to the trailer.
1: Oh, hey there, baby. What the hell are you doing here? I'm commissioned to this flight. Captain.
0: We haven't got time for this right now. Put her in the Sperry until we get up in the air.
1: I'm supposed to guard this.
0: I'll guard it for you.
1: Contents are confidential.
0: What's your name, honey?
5: Flight officer Garrett.
0: Ain't no women in the air corps.
5: I'm a flight mechanic and a pilot.
0: You're not a pilot. You're a delivery girl. <laughs> Who the hell are you, Miss Garrett? What is she here for? Did you hear that?
4: What the hell is that racket? There's something on top of the plane. Something on the goddamn time. No! <laughs>
0: Uh, Avril Halley our movie picking producer who picked this film said it could be her favorite film or least favorite film of 2020 so I'm excited for this uh, very very excited you can rent Shadow in the Cloud on Vudu Amazon Prime or watch it on Hulu with a subscription or please check your local public libraries where you can find a lot of these movies for free and last but not least I talked about this a little bit earlier uh, our amazing producer Avril Halley uh, broke down Princess Switch 3 uh, in this Movie Bitches two minute review that's right take it away Avril.
5: i think it's time to talk about the princess switch 3 romancing the star and i was like what the fuck does that mean and then it came on and i was like wait is it like romancing the stone and then it kind of was but not quite it was more mission impossible
1: well so i say on a whole the best of the princess switched movies
5: absolutely go figure not
1: bored can't be, at times, self-aware enough. Well, they took the only sort of fun character, which is the third twin.
5: That they never explain. They have a different mother, but they look exactly the same.
1: The movie's all about her finding love. And throughout the whole movie, they keep alluding to this relationship with her mother and how it's strained and blah, blah, blah. But we never really see the mom, right? We never really see the actress, right? And I was like... I am so ready and excited for Vanessa Hudgens to show up in old lady makeup as the fourth twin.
5: That would have been fun.
1: How fun would that have been? She's in like old makeup or she's not. She's just Vanessa Hudgens because Christmas magic. And it's just, hey, I'm your mom and we're twins also because these movies are dumb. They've really missed a lot of opportunities with the fun of switching. It's always like, oh no, now I have to be the queen and sit in on this boring concert because, and you're like, this Why? is not what I want. I want Parent Trap, no. give me Parent Trap.
5: I think it was the prince, at, like after they switched or whatever and he's like, but what happened to those heels? Did he happen to keep those red heels?
1: One of them was like, I liked you better the other way.
5: It was weird and I was like, this is not right.
1: I really think they missed an opportunity to have a fourth one. I just think they need to keep adding. It's multiplicity and we just, keep on adding. This was an improvement because I cannot stress enough how much I hated the second one.
5: I hated it so much that I really didn't want to watch this one. I was like, I just, uh. I know, but no, no, it was, it was fun.
0: Cheers. All right, everybody, that is our show. Please remember to rate and review us. It helps. Visit us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can follow us at facebook.com slash HDTGM. And you can follow us at HDTGM on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to hear the entire archive of How Did This Get Made, that's all of our old episodes. Sign up for free. Well, sign up and get a free one-month trial using code BONKERS. You can sign up at Stitcher Premium. And a big thank you to... right, Cody Fisher, the uh, fantastic Devin Bryant, our engineer, who uh, on Twitter just the other day made a very important comment uh, about uh, no skilled jobs. Uh, And I do think it's worthy of uh, just taking down that dumb comment that, uh, gosh, was it the mayor of Chicago? I don't know. It was some elected official uh, called low skilled jobs, uh, like basically people who work you know, in the service industry, and uh, Devin made a great point, like, look, I serve coffee, we made it really good, we serve thousands of people, uh, that's not a low-skilled job, it's a fucking factory, we're churning it out, and I couldn't agree with you more, uh, I, you know, I think it was a terrible choice of words, uh, anyway, it was a digression, and I even butchered Devin's tweet, But anyway, uh, a big thank you to them. A big thank you to our MVP, uh, Molly, everyone at Earwolf. And we will see you next time on How Does This Get Made as we talk about the great shadow in the cloud.